Hello and welcome to the seventh issue of the College View News Podcast. Today I'm joined with news editor Koch Cadden, opinions editor Orla Dwyer and deputy news editor Roisin Phelan. So today we're going to start off with the front page story, which is about the current INMO nurse strike. So Koch, if you want to take, take us through that story there then. Yeah, uh, when I'm invited on here, I tend not to take my own stories, but I think this one is just, uh, it's its unbelievable that they're taking their third day of 24-hour work stoppage tomorrow, uh, Thursday the 7th of uh, February. And uh, I'm saying that in a way that I actually can't believe the ministers have let it get this far. It's ridiculous, like in terms of public sector workers. So in terms of uh, the public sector workers, uh, nurses are amongst the worst paid in the country, in Ireland. Um, and it's disgraceful. I mean, the amount of hours they put in, the amount of responsibility. Um, so I can't believe. And one of the main developments now that would be coming out in uh, future uh, College View articles in a week will be that ministers are, you know, not backing it down at all. Um, in this one, it talks about how ministers are ta- uh, want to hold media talks about staffing rather than pay. But the main issue that they're mm-hmm. striking for is pay parity, which they believe will retain nurses, mm-hmm. which will lead to w- lead to safe staffing levels. I mean, it has at this stage gotten out of hand. Like, it's not just the seventh they extend to the strikes as well from what I see until the end of the month. And, and this is causing, like, hundreds of thousands of patients losing out on medical procedures. But like you said, they're just... The, there's been nothing done about the pay and that seems to be the main issue that's coming up. Yet there's been nothing to rectify... The, the core issue of the of the strike. Yeah, and just on that, with the amount of appointments that have been cancelled and stuff like that, I was expecting much more of a um, kind of a response from the public of outrage, nearly. However, like when I was on the picket lines, it was nothing but support. Dublin bus was beeping, guards were beeping. Do you know what I mean? Like this, the public are fully behind them, which is why I find uh, it very unbelievable that the headline on a newspaper the first day of the strike. Uh, a national newspaper was this amount of outpatients mm-hmm. are affected by the nurses strike like it was completely anti-nurse and it was a biased piece of information like I just couldn't get over it I do not think that this is going to be the final stage of construction no. not a bit DCU have got their nails hooked into the idea of like expanding and becoming yeah. more and more advanced and just it, I'm just Oh, because when this is finished, there'll be another thing like that. Because it might not. It, it's probably not just limited to the Glasnevin campus. It could expand to All Hallows and yeah. St Pat's as well. Because if they want to, as you said, make DCU this more kind of like sustainable modern university, construction's going to be going on for for a long time. Anyway, yeah. I can't see it ceasing anytime soon. Because we all thought it would finish with the U. We're like, great, we have somewhat of a normal college campus but then again this construction just popped up yeah. that I think most students I for, for in fact was quite surprised and wasn't even aware there was going to be another construction um, and the U as well you can't even use the big venue that they've put in the U like in our like you can but for our student night which is Tuesday it remains closed and the the bar that we all I don't know go into like a cattle chamber like you know it's yeah. always jam packed so yeah I don't know I think yeah, enough of the construction, the needless construction. So we're going to move on to a story, Orla, of all about internships. If you just want to take us through that then. Yeah, no problem. Uh, similar to Koch, I wouldn't normally pick my own article, but I do feel like this is an important issue. 
that we need to discuss, especially for us anyway. It's it's very topical at the moment. So I was just basically talking about how unpaid internships shouldn't be allowed in the first place, never mind the only option for a lot of students. Um, it was basically based on the pharmacy students who uh, held a protest outside Leinster House because they had a ban on paid internships as part of their degree, which was subsequently removed after the protest. But for a lot of other students in humanities, in a lot of other sectors, mm-hmm. obviously just speaking from our own personal experience, it is the norm. And it's it's entirely you're you're going in with the expectation that you're not going to be paid for your time and for your hard work, which is very disheartening to be going into. Mm-hmm. And you could argue it for any degree, like we all deserve to be paid for our time once we leave university and while in university, if, if we are working through there. And it was just just an argument that the government really need to step in and do a bit more to ban unpaid internships and to make minimum wage an actual minimum wage for everyone and not just people in work and outside of internships. Hello and welcome to the College Review. This is a news special hosted by me, Lucian Wadeli, and Neve Dunn. We're going to be hosting a sort of debate between our two presidential candidates for the student union for the 2019-2020 college year. We're here with Adam Healy and Christine Farrell. Welcome, guys. Thanks very much for having us. So the first question we're just going to jump in is, we'll start off with yourself, Christine. Uh, what makes you suitable for running for SU president and why are you running? Yeah, brilliant. So, um... As I said, my name is Christine Farrell. I'm a final year business studies student here in DCU. So I've been around in DCU for four years. Um, I really feel like since day one, I've immersed myself in the experience. I've been a class rep for four years. I've been inter-officer for three years. I've been involved in loads of aspects of the college. And I've had an absolutely brilliant time. I've met some amazing people, changed my life completely. And just, I really feel that I need to give back the time I've had here. I would love to have the opportunity to impact students like the Students' Union has impacted me since arriving here. Mm-hmm. Any questions to you then, Adam? Yeah, well, as you pointed out already, my name's Adam Healy. Uh, I'm a third-year English and History student uh, down St. Pat's campus, and I'm running for SU president, and I'd hope that everybody uh, considers voting for me uh, come Tuesday to Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I basically think I'm the person for the job because my multi-campus kind of experience, um, I study down, the, down in St. Pat's, and I have a couple of seminars over in Hollow Hollows, and I'm constantly up here, here more than I should be, in Glass and Evan, uh, for my, I suppose, my social life, my society life, and all the, the not all, but the majority of my, my student union work, already as humanities and social sciences faculty rep. Um, I've really enjoyed much. I've had the best three years of my life here. I fell in love and got my heart broken on this campus. Like I love it so much, and I really want to give back to the place that's given me so much. Um, I think with the experience and the skills that I've picked up um, over the last uh, year as a faculty rep, but as the last three years as a student, um, I can. I think I'm. I definitely have a good idea of what students want and kind of the students' opinion, and I. That would makes me think that I would be a good president. Well, it's not the referendum that's coming up. It's they're actually just voting to, to get the SU to do something. That's the other point. It's one that people don't really want because hmm. the SU had to start the petition themselves. I know. Which is also the case for the one that Emily is going to be talking about, and this relates to our membership of the USI. Yeah. So um, the students' union has put it past their sabbaticals and their executives. Um, to vote, they voted to put the matter of affiliation with the Union of Students in Ireland to referendum. Now, um, this obviously has to pass through petitions first, and we've no set date for a referendum, um, but it is likely that it will happen this semester. Um, now, this isn't that unusual. We have it in our constitution anyway that we have to vote on affiliation. I think it's every three or four years, and um, so it was going to be coming up in 
in the next year or so anyway, but um, the SU felt um, that they were, well, um, DCUSU President uh, Vito Maloney-Burke said the last draw for the SU anyway was um, USI's inability to step up to the plate in their most pressing issues in the last two semesters, um, such as Shino and Shakedown and Saver Shepherd. And um, Vito said that they went to the USI for help and advice on that and they didn't deliver. So for him, that was the last straw. And of course, there are multiple other factors. We give the SU over 100,000 grand of students' money every year. And um, the SU essentially now don't feel like they're getting their money's worth. Um, they think there's an opportunity cost as well. They're taken out of office regularly for training and sessions and events um, that they feel have more or less been useless. Um, and on top of that, yeah, they haven't received the support that they wanted and feel that they could um, be successful as a student union and a student body um, on their own. So we're going to move on to our next story now, uh, Brendan, which we you chose, which is about the National Energy and Climate Plan influenced by DCU students. So if you just want to take us through that story then. Uh, yeah, so basically this story is by uh, the Deputy Arts Editor, Anya Boyle, and it's just about Ireland's National Energy and Climate Plan 2021 uh, to 2030. So a bunch of DCU students and uh, some teachers, I believe, uh, came together and kind of submitted a consultation form on kind of proposals that they think that Ireland should take into account going forward into our new kind of uh, climate change awareness. So we're going to jump into the first story on the front page, which is written by yourself, Emily, about the Save Our Shepherd campaign. Do you want to tell us a bit about that then? Yeah, sure. So um, Shepherd Micaiah, originally from Zimbabwe, was ordered to leave the country by October 21st, originally. And he's a second year student in DCU. So when this deportation order came through, the SU launched the campaign called Save Our Shepherd, SOS. Um, so that's been going on for the last um, week or so. And now recently they've received news that his deportation order has been extended until February 5th. So um, obviously for the SU and for Micaiah himself, that is um, a relief. Um, so I interviewed Micaiah and um, Vida Maloney-Burke, who's the president of the SU. Um, on the situation, so um, Micaiah f- uh, feels like it would be unsafe for him to return to Zimbabwe um, if the deportation order was to go through. So the goal now with the campaign going forward, hopefully before February, is to get it revoked completely. And how? what do you guys think then about this initiative? Do you think this is something the SU and the government should get behind about saving these students, especially uh, a student like uh, Shepard Mackay who got through DCU through the sanctuary. Uh, he's a sanctuary student. So what do you guys think uh, on the campaign that the SU did? And do you think that there's enough that they, they did enough or is there more that, that can be done? Um, yeah, definitely. I think the SU got behind him really, really well. I mean, it, it was a huge campaign and they were successful in getting him. His deportation notice is now in February, but obviously there is st- still so much more that can be done. I think a lot of people just, it's kind of confusing. Like, why why is he being deported when he's he's gotten this place in DCU? So... Yeah, I think it's just really important if people just keep the campaign going. I suppose this isn't the end, it's only the start. Yeah, I think um, well, it's the same as what Kira said there, but I think as well, with these kind of things, there's always more that can be done. So, you know, they're not. it's not that they're doing the bare minimum, they're doing as much as they can now, but there's definitely more and more they can do, and I'd say they definitely will. And from speaking to um, Shepard, uh, Emily, do you... Th- Obviously, it's the government now deem that Zimbabwe is a safe enough state. From talking to him and his experience of living in Zimbabwe, um, what was it like for him when he was telling you about the about the his, his the environment that he was living in? 
Um, well, Shepard himself has said that Zimbabwe is not a safe country and he feels fears for his life um, should he have to return there. So um, he told me about one of his um, closer friends who was killed after he left, who wasn't fortunate enough to leave the country when Shepard did himself. And, and he found out about this from um, from someone else once he'd come to Ireland. So um, he was facing, Shepard was facing violence and torture and attacks from... Um, because he was so vocal against the leading politic political party, um, ZANU-PF, um, which was previously led by Robert Mugabe. And it has changed leadership, but um, the president currently was Mugabe's second in command. So Shepard is saying it's the same people, it's the same party that have been killing people, um, which is why he fears for his life should he have to return. That's why he fled in the first place nine years ago, because he was scared for his life. So what do you guys then think is the next step for the SU and for Shepard himself? Is it more... Uh, student protests outside the Department of uh, Justice like they did um, a couple of weeks ago? Or do you think it's more the social media campaign like the change.org where they got 14,000 signatures? What do you think can push the next steps that Shepard can stay in this co- country? Because it's the 5th of February mm-hmm. is when his um, deportation status will be reviewed again. So is there anything that you think the SU um, can do then to help Shepard stay in Ireland? Um, well, there's only so much the SU can do anyway and they have done... Um, a lot they I mean they dropped everything for this campaign and DCU's university themselves are even more limited in what they can do um, so I think the next step is all along I mean it's been the responsibility of the government um, and the SU have kind of taken a stand and I mean obviously they never had to do this um, but they've really stepped up and backed Shepherd the whole way and from talking to Vito it's very clear that they're ready to continue doing that on, as long as they have to um, as long as it takes to get Charlie Flanagan to come out and address the issue. Yeah, I think that they um, conti- need to continue doing what they're doing. Like, If they can stop doing the protests and stop being vocal on Twitter and Facebook and all that, they're not going to get anywhere. It's the student voice that's leading them, and it's going to get them... The more people they have protesting this, the more notice it's going to get yep. and the more yeah I think like it's very easy for people to forget about these things as well so people who maybe aren't in DCU you know they hear these stories and then you know tomorrow there's a new shepherd there's a new story so if everyone just keeps you know social media is such a big tool nowadays and obviously all the student publications if we just keep pushing it hopefully um, that will help in the future yeah I mean when I was talking to Vito he said um, obviously the govern- governing body didn't give their reasoning for extending the order but he said it was likely that he said the legal legal advisor said it was likely that it was a result of the noise made publicly around the campaign so that's that's what is getting the government's attention and extending it and extending it but their goal obviously is to get it revoked completely so i think they just need to be keep making the noise that they're making so the next story is one that gabby has chosen and it's a feature and god i haven't seen this yet myself but it's a feature about dcu's favorite shopkeeper tell me about this yes yeah, so it's written by our lovely podcast editor lucian vaudaily um in conjunction with contributor uh, sally doby um so uh dcu's favorite shopkeeper is i suppose um the second article in i suppose a series that the features department has kind of undertaken now um a couple of weeks ago, we had DCU's favorite bartender, which was Alan Stevenson from New Bar. Now, uh, also want to clarify when I say when the headline says DCU's favorite <laughs> something, that's just no vote was held. Th- like you know, that's not a that's not <laughs> a fact. That's just something that I thought was funny and I put in the headline. <laughs> um, but I think I mean I mean listen, I think everybody knows Alan from New Bar, and very similarly, everybody knows Dave from formerly Spar and now Landis. 
Um, so, I mean, this was this was um, a very lovely little story. Um, th- these kind of stories always do very well because they have a direct impact onto DCU. Um, they're normally very popular in readership. Um, it's a very well-written piece. I mean, it's Lucian, of course, has a lot of experience with Londis. For those of you that don't know, Lucian actually works in Londis. Do I? It's <laughs> <laughs> news to me. Um, so he 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 knows Dave very well. Um, but I think I think I mean I, everybody knows Dave around the campus, and I think it's a lovely little story. We have a lovely illustration by um, our illustrations editor, Rosha Maga. And yeah, I, I mean I'm 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 definitely you know as features editor, I definitely want to see more profiles on um, the people that you see around campus that you might not know too much about. You know, we kind of learn about Dave's background and where he's come from. Um, how did he end up in DCU? And he's been on the campus for uh, what? Nearly 18 years now. Nearly yeah. two decades. So it's 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 a it's a long time, and he's definitely a yeah. um, a figure, I think. Okay, so our final story today is Gabby's feature, uh, second f- in your series about yes. the sex industry. So this is part two. Tell me what it's about. Yes. Yeah, so this is the second installment of Risky Business, which is my three-part series on student sex workers. Um, the third part, hopefully, to come um, at some stage in semester two. Um, so for my full page feature, um, I interviewed a trans sex worker, Eva Bloom, who was um, extremely candid about her work. Um, she didn't hold anything back. Um, I interviewed her actually a couple of a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it's a great little feature, I, I think. Um, I think it's something different. Um, she's she's very honest about her work. She's got literally nothing to hide, and she's very sort of upfront about what she does. Um, she's also involved in activism with Sway, which is a sex workers alliance in Ireland who fight for um, better legislation. Um, and she's also, I mean, as a, as a trans sex worker, you know, she doesn't experience the typical sort of, um, she doesn't have the experience of a typical sex worker. So, you know, she has, um, this is a certain sort of category that she goes into. But the pull quote that I have is, you know, I feel more afraid walking down the streets in Dublin at night than in my own apartment when I'm working which I think is interesting in um, how the city sort of treats, first of all, trans people. But, you know, when we think about sex workers, one thing that I asked her was, are you not afraid that someone's going to come to your apartment or wherever you're working and, you know, attack you or maybe harm you in some way? She was like, no, not at all, which I thought was very interesting. Um, But she was a great interviewee. And, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great little piece. And I'm looking forward to doing the third installment after Christmas. Cool. What can we expect in the third installment? Um, So I think I'm going to do a piece about the agenda in risky business and sex work um, and so that's literally um, the activism that sex workers are trying to do to mm-hmm. change fight for better legislation um, and yeah hopefully yeah, that'll no, come they're really like it's 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 great to have these like kind of in-depth features into a certain topic like it's nice to see these like big full page things that are delve into, uh, delve inspiration into to all of us feature writers yes of course <laughs> that's a great story yeah I love them I, oh, thank I you. haven't read the, uh, the this latest installment because I only read mm. for the PDFs. I only read news. Yeah, so yeah, um, fair enough. I'm very yeah. excited because I really did like the first installment. Yeah, I loved that. I think mm. it's something so different that no one else really wants to speak up about. There's not a lot of coverage in, in no, the not at all. And it, yeah. I think it's really amazing that it's had some light shone on it, and it's a really interesting little piece. Thanks, Ellen. You're welcome, Gabby. Okay. Well, on that note. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Merry Christmas (laughs) and a happy new year. Thank you for tuning in to the News Review. We'll be back after Christmas with more exciting content on this podcast. You can check out the Arts Podcast hosted by me and the Sports Podcast hosted by Ian Brennan. Ian Brennan produced this edition of the College Review. 
and Neve Dunn is our other podcast editor. Thanks to all of you for joining me. Mm-hmm.